everybody. Let's go ahead and say the beginning prayer for this beautiful new series. And I believe that we're going to go into season eight while doing this series. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for all that you have done and all that you continue to do. Pray right now in the name of Jesus for my brother and my sister, Lord God. You are so beautiful, Lord God. We are still here in the land of the living. Still here in the land of living during these times, Lord God, where it seems as though the world is on fire. And it seems as though even right now we have a chance at salvation. Pray right now in the name of Jesus Christ that my brother and my sister will see that even I will see the time is winding down, that we need you like never before. We need you, God. We need you. I pray that as we read about you and your goodness and your mercy in this series, that we just don't see ourselves but we see our brothers and our sisters and the need to tell them about you in the name of Jesus Christ. God, I pray that a, a Holy Ghost boldness would rise up within us. Pray that a Holy Ghost boldness will strengthen us and help us to be strong in you and in the power of your might to help us to not be afraid to witness to those that don't know that they need you, that reject you right now. Let us not just force the word to them, but at the same time have balance where we can give them you the information in such a way that it will help help the unbeliever realize how good you really are, how amazing you really are, how your love is bad, is is way better than any human being. It's way better than any child, any person, place, or thing that your love seeks well, is, is, is not hypocritical. It bears no record of wrong. Your love is forgiving. Your love is comforting. Your love embraces in the time of sorrow. Your love is a very present help in the time of trouble. Your love soothes the brokenhearted. Help us to realize how much help the unbeliever as well to realize how much we really do need you in the name of Jesus. Let every power that's not like you be restrained and sent back and arrested and sent back to the pit of hell where it belongs in the name of Jesus never to return to us again. Try to stop our salvation, the continuance of it, in the name of Jesus Christ. Let there be such a power resting on us, O oh God, as we evangelize in strategic ways to our family members and others at our jobs and 
and in the world, Lord God, that they that that convictions are awakened in the name of Jesus Christ. That your love is is set in 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 where there's uh, the stony heart, God. You said in your word that you would give us a heart of compassion and trade it out instead of the heart of of stone, uh, instead of a stony heart or a heart a heart that is cold. You said that you would give us a heart of flesh, meaning compassion, instead of having a stony heart, meaning a cold and unloving stubborn heart, Lord God. You won't allow us to be like Pharaoh, but you'll help us to be loving. Help us, God, to love the unlovable, to melt away the coldness of their hearts. Melt away the coldness of our hearts, oh God. Let us not be judgmental with the delivery of the book of Revelation. It's, it's more than just fire and brimstone and telling people that they're going to hell, oh God. More than that, it's more than telling kind of people that they don't live right, they're gonna be thrown in the lake of fire. It's more than that. This is a love letter, a call back to you, back to your love. Jesus, who Jesus, to keep you first, to show us that. This really will happen to show us the dangers of following the Antichrist. Jesus. To show us the dangers of putting off salvation. How you always had the best for us, even into the end of the world, even even in the beginning of time. Pray that as I go through this series and as I track through this series by your lead as your instrument of God, that I'm able to do it in such a strategic way that it helps the world become better in you, no matter what. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, cover Cover, cover us, God. As we pray, I feel the power of the Holy Ghost doing something. Cover us, God. Help us, Lord. In the name of Jesus. It is so. In Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Hey, praise the Lord, everybody, and welcome to Petaway Evangelistic Ministries Worldwide. We're going to go ahead and step into this next segment of the book of Revelation. However, before we do, let's pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for all that you have done and all that you continue to do. Lord, we pray by your power and by your spirit, Lord God, that you would knock out every distraction. In the name of Jesus, every distracting thought, clear our minds and our hearts and prepare our souls and our spirits, Lord God, for the intake of your word. I pray that teaching will be made easy even right now, Lord God, for me, that you would 
take over, Lord God. I yield my vessel to you. All parts of me are yours right now, God. Forgive me, Lord God, for any sins knowingly and unknowingly have committed, Lord God, in the name of Jesus Christ. God, cleanse us right now, even before we go into your word, so that we can go in it with new conviction and understanding and wisdom and knowledge and revelation, Lord God. Forgive us for putting anything before you. Forgive us, oh God. Cleanse us by your power, even right now, as we go into revelation once more in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, I pray that you had a great day today, <clears throat> that you're going to have a great day. Maybe you're listening to this and it's the morning time or you're in the middle of your day, but I thank God for you. Um, again, you know that we are starting a new series called the Book of Revelation. Um, this will be part two in the podcast arena. Um I'm thanking God for it. Um, I'm getting pretty good feedback so far from a few of my listeners. And I thank God for it. Um, So let's go ahead back to the book of Revelation. um, Chapter one. Uh, Last time I spoke about the seven churches. uh, Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea kind of outlined it um, for you. Um, later on, we're going to go a little further into what God feels about each of these churches. Uh, we spoke about um, John the Patmos and his role as an instrument of the new covenant in uh, church, which is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. After he uh, was resurrected, there was a new order um, from heaven, which is to repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus, every one of you, um, under remission of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost in Acts 2 and 38. But this t- this particular um, covenant has touched on um, the establishment of Jesus Christ, at least in, in 1 AD, um, maybe even... Uh, a little further um, later on after Paul dies. I, I'm, I'm thinking about looking in, in more into the actual date of when Paul, uh, when, when John wrote this. I want to reconfirm um, 180, but he was used to reestablish the new covenant, which was made in 180. Uh, after in, in 80 just means after the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. Um, I'm going to do a little bit more as far as that. And then I, I, I spoke about how, uh, why it was written. And I said that it was written to inform its reader of the bright future ahead for the church and those who choose to live for Christ. It was written as a tool of hope for the dark world and its existence. It was written to also confirm and complete the prior 65 canonical books in scripture. Canon mean, just means um, confirmed and unfirmed by the authority to um, be composed as one book. So um, I believe that St. Jerome is the one um, that approved this under the leadership of the Lord. Um, and it was... Um, 
compiled St. Jerome translated the Bible into Latin between AD 383 and 404. He originally translated it all from Greek, but as we went on, he corrected the Old Testament against the Hebrew original. So um, he was the one, he was instrumental in God using him to um, approve the 66 books of the Bible. Uh, we know that the Bible has different translations, um, but the main translation was Hebrew, Greek, and then later on Latin, and of course later on you know English. Um, and now we have all different types of translations, and the translation that, we're, that we are coming from, um, that I'm teaching out of, is called the Berean Study Bible, the BSB. And he was a really powerful man. Um, he translated it to translate the Bible from any type of language. That's 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 basically a dead language. Is just pow powerful. Um, he organized it and the council uh, culminated it in around 382 A.D. Um, so at first it was going to be 73 books of the scriptural canon and um you know uh, about 14 i think of those books were removed um because they weren't um anointed i'm not going to say they weren't anointed but they weren't the anointed books that God needed to be in the word of the Lord. Um, it was confirmed and reaffirmed by different priests, uh, many priests um, that were in different positions like the Council of Rome and the leadership of the Pope, uh, Pope Damascus and different others. They were the ones that um, uh, made sure that uh, the Bible basically made sense. Um, and I think that's what it just came down to, uh, the flow that God, and it, it, it takes God's leadership to do this, the flow of, of the Bible. God, you know, um, is what, that, what he desired. And as you can see, it's a beautiful flow. It flows all the way down to revelation. And that's where we are. I don't want to get fixed right here because <laughs> I can go into a ramble, but... <clears throat> Let's keep going. Then I spoke about Turkey, how it's now called Turkey, but back then it was called Patmos, the island of Patmos. We talked about the population and um, everyone that was in it. And then I, you know, um, just left us with knowing that the book, this book is a treasure book. It completes all prophecies and then some. <laughs> I'll say it like that. Uh, Revelation confirms every prophet that ever spoke a prophetic word of the coming of Christ and then on and Satan being uh, thrown into like a fire like Daniel did and um, how uh, the fact that he confirmed it, it confirms the, the relevancy of the fivefold ministry. It reconfirms the relevance of the church and its unity. It echoes God's voice of victory for the bride of Christ. It uncovers the truth of the church militant and the church triumphant militant, meaning everyone that um, felt as though 
they were a part of the church versus everyone that actually followed Christ and were a part of the church. So you have church goers and those that are in the organization of the church but may not really in their hearts know God or have a relationship with him. The church triumphant is those are those who did the work, had a relationship with God and, and held on to their conviction. So when in this particular book, you'll see that God is addressing the convictions of the body of each segment or church. And so we're going to start off in chapter 1, verse 1. And we're going to speak about each verse, uh, maybe synonymously or in a parallel manner um, from time to time. Um, my thoughts might not seem lucid or teachings might not seem lucid. Like I might start from one point and end up in another. Please forgive me. But if it, if you have any questions, you can reach out, okay? But um, I'm, I'm going to go as a little leads. But let's go to verse 1. Uh, verse one, it says that, uh, and forgive me, I'm jumping back and forth, but verse one says, this is the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him uh, to show his servants with what must soon come to pass. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John, who testifies to everything he saw. This is the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. In this particular verse, we it's important to note, and this is what we're going to be doing. We're going to be taking notes for each verse as well, okay? And you can add to it as the Holy Spirit leads you as well. Um, not to, uh, if, if it doesn't make sense when you add it, don't put it. What I mean by adding, um, when you're looking in your own personal study and the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, um, go ahead and just jot down what the Holy Spirit is leading you and then pray over it and ask God if this is what he is saying, okay? Because this is a relationship with the Lord. I'm just kind of here to guide you as a uh, prophetic piece, as a minister of the gospel that loves Jesus Christ, okay? So Jesus Christ needed a witness of the future glory revealed. Um, the Lord Jesus Christ chose John. Um, I believe the angel of the Lord also affirmed that it will be John the Revelator. And based upon that, they went on and, and started to um, make it known um, that, hey, John is the one we will use to, um, as a vessel um, to, to, to canonize or write this down. Um, he, his instruction, Jesus Christ's instruction for John was to write everything down as a witness, kind of like what uh, WJZ does with the camera cameraman. He was the prophetic cameraman and the writer for what he saw. He saw it and he had to testify about it. So this is the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ um, through a man. Now we know that Jesus Christ is in the spirit so he needed a vessel because he's not present with us here in the earth anymore. So John was here in the earth to spare on the legacy of Christ. And this is this, this it's a beautiful thing to think about because he was chosen by the Lord himself. In verse 2, um, John makes it clear that this is the testimony and proclamation 
of Jesus Christ. He made it known. He said, who testifies to everything he saw? He said, I am the, the vessel that God has chosen. I did not choose myself, but God chose, chose me. And, you know, I think of it like this. Uh, this is a little segment from Martin. <laughs> when Martin uh, finds a job, but he sees his, his roommate is there. And he keeps saying, he, they call me. <laughs> you know, he had, you know, he had this T-shirt on and it had like a little tie print or he had, no, he had an actual tie clipped onto his T-shirt and he didn't look prepared, but he just knew that they called him for the job. But Martin was a little bit more, just a little bit more prepared. And later on, you, you know, the, you know, if you're a Martin fan that he, Martin, of course, he's a main character. He ended up getting the job, but you know, a lot of times is, you know, we feel unprepared when God calls us. But here, John is saying the same thing. He's saying, Jesus Christ called me. <laughs> and it's good. It's good. He didn't just go around saying that Jesus Christ called me, but he started to write. And so he wanted to make that clear that this is not the testimony of just John by himself and John, 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 John is the testimony and proclamation of Jesus. He was making sure that Jesus Christ got the glory. Okay. He received the glory. Verse three um, speaks about how we as the reader are blessed. And if as especially as we proclaim the word out loud uh, in and read and tell others about what we read, God is saying, we are blessed. And we are in line for being blessed and God blessing us and making sure that we're fine and all of that good jazz because a lot of times we might not feel as blessed. But if you are you know, a carrier of the gospel and you have good news. Let others know that Revelation is not a doomy and gloomy book, but it's a book of good news. It's a book. Oh, yeah, I'm going to slow walk this a little bit because I'm because God wants us to soak this in. It's a book to make us aware of what the Lord is saying so that our convictions will not be seared where everything just looks okay. It's all right if I just do this little bit of sin. It's all right if I just, no, 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 no. The devil's like, God is making a, he's reconfirming, reinforcing his demarcation that we are not of the world. We are not of the world. And Jesus told his disciples that we are different. We are different. We are a peculiar people. We are peculiar. I'm looking up that word peculiar real quick as I teach because um, a lot of times in church we say things and some of us might not know what they mean. But in 1 Peter 2 and 9, um, Peter said that we are peculiar people. The word peculiar means that we are not normal. You know, if the world is one way, Okay, and this is what got John exiled because he was he was not going with the world. If the world is going one way and God said you belong to me, 
you're going to be peculiar because you're going in agreeing that God is telling you to go and to stand out against the, the organization of the seen world, S-E-E-N, someone has to be a voice and an enforcer of the unseen world that God created, which is heaven. And God is saying, as a believer, you have two types of keys. What am I talking about? You have a key to bind and loose. Jesus told Peter, he also Peter, he said, I have given you the power to bind and loose. Whatsoever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. So a lot of times when you're peculiar, you have to rebuke and refuse some of these um, ways that go against what God has said in his word. And so when, I, when I'm talking about the order of God versus the order of the world, coming from a sober vessel like John, you're peculiar. Because when you, and this is what it means when we say you're special, you're, you're different. I, I'm, 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 a, I'm different. I know that I am. I know more than anything because I belong to God. God made sure I was different. Even when I was young, I didn't fit in. And it's all right not to fit in. John did not fit in. And God used him mightily to pen this book. I'm moving, I'm moving forward. Um, so you're blessed because you're going to read it and you're going to hear it and you're going to apply it. Amen. And so in verse four, John informs the reader that this first portion of this love letter is addressed to the seven churches of Asia. Um, they represent the seven conditions of the church body at large. John makes it clear that as he writes that he is heaven's messenger and that he comes in peace and that the grace of God who existed before time and also and in, uh, in the in the present and future is the one that he's writing about and writing for. <clears throat> he's writing about and he's writing for. Okay. John also acknowledges the seven spirits who are dwelling at God's throne. Okay. And before I go any further, um, we're going to read verse four together. It says in the, it says grace and peace to the John to the seven churches and the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and is to come and from the seven spirits before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth to him who loves us and has released us from our sins by his blood who has made us to be a kingdom priest to his God and Father, and to him be the glory and power forever and ever. The seven spirits represent the seven characteristics, okay, of Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. 
the seven characteristics you might be saying what do, what do you mean the spirit of the lord is a characteristic the spirit of wisdom the spirit of understanding um, the spirit of counsel the spirit of might the spirit of knowledge and the spirit of the fear of the lord these all make up the seven counsels of the holy spirit according to isaiah i believe isaiah 11 and 2 um they are mentioned in isaiah 11 and 2 and we're going to run through these and um go through an, a few other verses and then we'll stop because i don't want to overwhelm you um in one segment with this because it's it's a lot but okay so um we have the spirit of the lord um, in Zechariah 4 and 6, it says, Then he answered and spoke unto me, This is the word of the Lord unto you, Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. The spirit of the Lord, I can say so much about this. The spirit of the Lord was here before we were. The spirit of the Lord in the earth. The spirit of the Lord was also used in the book of Genesis. You can see it because we believe, and we're going to speak about this later on, that I believe that, I was just talking to my wife about this, I believe that the spirit of the Lord was helping in prison. Um, Satan when he was thrown from heaven God just brought order to the earth in Genesis chapter 1 because the Bible says that it was without form and void but many believe in, the, in, the, in theology and I believe it as well that Satan was here before we were because the Bible speaks about how dark it was and we know that there was no darkness like the darkness that the world in, in without form of void before the separation darkness was brought upon i believe because of the rebellion of satan and god had to divide himself from and heaven had to divide themselves from satan and darkness because it was the opposite of light so god had it all planned out where he wanted to make sure Satan was still restrained. Satan was restrained by the spirit of the Lord in a voidless and formless earth. Some pastors believe that when he was thrown to the earth, that he felt that he that there was there might have been a a, a greater um, figure or a greater, uh, I don't know, form of the earth before he was thrown from heaven. Jesus said that he saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. In Luke chapter 10 and 18, he said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from the sky. Jesus saw the devil himself. Well, you might be saying, how did he see that? Because he is the embodiment of the spirit of the Lord. He, because of the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. You have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So his foreknowledge, God reminded him in when Jesus was walking the earth of his foreknowledge of Satan. That's why when Jesus would walk throughout the earth, that Satan and his followers would say, have you come to torment us before time? Because all they could see in that moment was light and peace. He didn't, Jesus didn't, because he's called the Prince of Peace. He is the Prince of total 
healing, total fulfillment, total completion. And he dwelled before time. He was the he is the embodiment of that. And I'm not getting off topic. I'm staying right where I am. They felt the restraint when Jesus came up on the scene. They felt it. That's why Jesus told them to go into the swine. When we are spirit, Holy Spirit filled, this is that same spirit. That's why Zechariah said, this is that same spirit, Holy Spirit. We're just seeing different characteristics of it. When we're Holy Spirit filled, we are supposed to rebuke the devil by the power of the Holy Ghost based upon my, our, our access. When we ask the Lord into our lives, and I know this is a lie, I'm trying. And when we ask the Lord into our lives and we ask him to come and live within us and we do the repentance prayer for real, there is supposed to be an instantaneous filling of the Holy Ghost. We're not supposed to just wait all these days like they already had did. But we have, what am I saying? I'm saying we have to be a little bit more in, in, in intent when we baptize people in the name of Jesus to make sure that, the, the, that they receive the real Holy Spirit right then on the scene. What I'm saying is, Lord, let them be filled before they leave my presence in the name of Jesus with the Holy Spirit in the utterance of speaking in tongues. That is the evidence that they're full because when they go out of those doors, after they leave your presence from being spirit-filled, the, there's a real devil that's mad with them. A lot of times we're relaxing our, you know, whatever in the church. And we're just saying, oh, amen, they saved. Okay, go sit down. No, amen, they saved. Let's go on the back and you baptize in the name of Jesus. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, that's what we say when when we're baptizing. The name of Jesus. We say, dear, uh, forgive me. It's been a while since I actually baptized someone. <laughs> but I believe it's my brother. I now baptize you. In the name of Jesus for the remission of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost in Jesus name. And when we do that under the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, I've seen it for myself. Some of us have been revived. And some of us, when we have that conviction, and some of us, we might need to go and, and, and uh, you know, we, might, we just might need to be taught about the Lord a little, a little bit more. And, and then God, Holy Spirit comes. Um, later on, he might come through tarrying or whatever, or just strengthening. But that initial expectation, we should not, uh, we should not leave out that initial expectation of them get being filled with the Holy Spirit. We should not just say Amen, they're baptized, but look for them to be filled with the Holy Spirit. If you are the baptizer, or maybe you're the about to be the baptizee. Because you're expecting, expect God to fill you. Expect a change to happen. Expect it. Expect it. Amen. Amen. The Spirit of the Lord is still here. Because when we leave church or wherever we are, the enemy's mad. Because now you're saved. The Spirit of the Lord. I'm, go I'm, I'm going. The Spirit of Wisdom. This is another characteristic of the Holy Spirit. For this reason, ever since, uh, this is in Ephesians um, 
chapter 1, verse 15 through 17. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in your knowledge of him. Wisdom comes, like right now, I'm working in the spirit of wisdom because God is giving me stuff to say to you as the audience straight from his throne. It's beautiful. The spirit of wisdom. Things I might not have known or written down, God will give it to me while I'm teaching. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. And while I'm telling you, that was the next part, the spirit of understanding. While I'm telling you, he's teaching me at the same time and giving me understanding where I didn't realize I needed it. In that moment, it's, it's a revelation. We're in the book of Revelation, right? These are revelation gifts. The spirit of, li of, of wisdom is a revelation gift. The spirit of understanding is a revelation gift. Um, among the nature, however, we speak a message of wisdom, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we speak of the mysterious and hidden wisdom of God which he destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified, get it, crucified the Lord of glory. The wisdom that we have as believers was hidden from the rulers of the world because they did not take the full account of the gospel seriously. Yet, a lot of them did not believe that Jesus Christ was Lord until he died. For if they had crucified, if they had known it, Bible says in in First Corinthians two and six through thirteen, that's what I'm reading. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Rather, as it is written, no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor heart has imagined, no eye has seen, physical eye, nor ear has heard, physical ear, no heart has imagined our our uh, the the spirit of our mind. Okay, when we're speaking about the heart right here, the spirit of our mind, um, where we held our internal subconscious thoughts, okay? No heart has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. It, it's a, so love is another key. True love, genuine love, relationship is what I see right here for those who have relationship, love with him. But God has revealed it to us that love him by the power, us by the spirit of the Lord. The spirit, imagine the Holy Spirit having a flashlight. Imagine someone like a, a, an authority figure having a flashlight, maybe a police officer or security. They're going throughout the building in the dark with a flashlight. And the more and the further they go, the brighter the flashlight becomes. That's what that's how Holy Spirit works on us. Because without Holy Spirit, we're all dark. Without the Spirit of the Lord, we're all dark. Amen. So it says right here that the Spirit of the Lord is searching all things, even the deep things of God. The things that were hidden in the dark. The Lord will bring it to life. For who among men knows the thoughts? Look of man except his own spirit within him. We, The Holy Spirit is that flashlight. The Lord said through David in Psalm 118, uh, around the 10th or 11th verse, that 
I think it was the fifth verse. I might be getting it wrong. Um, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my pathway. What pathway? The pathway of our hearts. The pathway of our intent. The pathway that God has, that we need him to make clear to us. The pathway of our destiny. Amen. For who among men knows the thoughts of man except his own spirit within him? Amen. The thoughts of man are searched out by the Lord. So too, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Amen. So to know God's intent, for God's intent to merge with our intent, we need Holy Spirit. That's why you see certain people at different levels. I said that I, I'm going to just say it of conviction for God because each person one person might be at a certain level based upon their relationship with the Lord and some of us are just surface we just go to church those are, that's the church militant but then you have the church triumphant these are the ones that allow Holy Spirit through prayer and intercession and, and just Worship a lot of time to search out their heart to help make sense of the mess that's going on in the world, to help make sense of the things that God does not approve of, that of the life changes that they have to make or that we have to make on a daily basis to make sure that the spirit within us is edified, that our spirit man is edified so that the spirit of might which we're going to talk about a little bit, can rise up and help us win these battles that seem too hard for us, okay? This is why some people know how to just go in for the Lord because they have kept the Lord first. And Oh, my God. I mean, God's just lining this, this whole teaching up for us. Kept the Lord first, and, and this is what it is. You know, so so to no one knows the thoughts of man except the spirit of God. We have not received the spirit of the of the of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. So God has freely given us the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit has a mind too. So what if you can imagine we having a mind and the Holy Spirit having a mind, that the mind of the spirit of the Holy Spirit will merge with us when we come into union with him and what we did not want to do as far as heaven's intent, as far as what God has said, we should now have a passion for. And the passion that we had for the world to do what the world wanted us to do is supposed to be decreasing as we feed our spirit man that's now merged with the Lord. So the double-minded man comes from that middle part, the mid part, that complacent part within us that says, I still want to do me, but I still want to do Christ. God said, you're no good. What is he saying? He's saying the double-minded man is unstable. You have no home. You have no place or footing. You have one, one part, part 
is on one part of the line, and then you have one foot is on one part of the demarcation borderline, and then you have one part that's on the other side. There's, he said, God said, I can't use you like that. So that's why we need the mind of the spirit for us to understand how to come, how to bring both feet over to what heaven wants for us. That's why Jesus came. He said, I make every crooked path straight. That's why God used Joshua to tell the camp, choose ye this day who you're going to serve. Are you going to serve the idols of our God, of our forefathers or are you going to go all in with God? Amen. I know this is a lot. It's all right. We're going to be all right. We're going to get through this. But if you have any questions, reach out to me. Hit me up on Facebook. I'm a, just put my name in, Padaway Jamal, and, and we, we can hash it out. Um, but this is this is what the Spirit, this is a characteristic of the Spirit of the Lord. Um, what God has freely given us is um, the understanding of what He wants. How do we see, how do we get to what He wants? Well, when I went, when I want something from my parents, I ask, God, I want to understand what you want for my life. Boom. You just aligned yourself with your purpose. I want to understand where you want me. Boom. You just align yourself. Okay, so I'm going to keep going. But as us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the spirit, expressing spiritual truths and spiritual words. So God is saying human wisdom is not good here. Human wisdom is not good alone. We need a balance here. We have to be temperate in all things. So we need a temperate balance of, of understanding and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, he's, he's so, he is so intelligent. There were times where I would be in my prayer time and I would want, and, and I had to go to work the next day. Or I had to go to work. And it, I could go, but so far. In the spirit, I'm like, how come Holy Spirit isn't taking me further? And God's saying, because you need to go to bed, you gotta go to work. Oh, I'm looking at Tony, I gotta finish this up because I gotta go to work. <laughs> but God knows. He knows. There's nothing hidden from the Lord. When you go and cheat on your spouse, He knows. Because it's not just you going, now you're going with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, like, mm -mm, I can't use you. Repent. Turn from that stuff. Uh, you know, that's a loose example. But, yes, you know, and here's the thing. The Holy Spirit even knows the counsel of our thoughts. The spirit of counsel. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and the understanding and the spirit of counsel and of might and the spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord. Isaiah 11 and 2. These all work in concert with each other like a beautiful band and an orchestra of, of life. Amen. And they, and they help you um, pull out this fruit of the Spirit. They help you um, attract the fruit of the Spirit from, for, for you to stand out. You might say, you know, I had people say there's something about you. It was the Holy Spirit these characteristics working within me for one of the one of the fruits of the spirit to manifest. A lot of times it's love. Because love is a fruit and love is God. Amen. The spirit of counsel knows what 
a lot of people don't know about you internally. You could have a bad thought. The Holy Spirit will say, I don't think that. The Spirit of counsel. You're still supposed to go to a counselor to help you process natural things. But this counsel is so much more about it when you have someone that works as a counselor, but they also Holy Spirit feel because now you're getting a now you're getting a double portion. That's a double portion right there. Amen. You you you're getting something from someone that's gifted in counsel and the Holy Spirit feel. If I was you and I needed help, I would look for a Christian counselor, not just someone who says that they're Christian, but their fruit is showing. By their fruit, you will know them. Then you have the spirit of might. The spirit of might is the strength to, to overcome. Now we know, now we understand, and it's been revealed. Now we have the strength to overcome what, what? the old part of us that don't want to die. There's always going to be a fight. Because we live in the flesh. Paul said, Oh, wretched man, the end when I would do good, um, the good that I wanted, what I want to do in the Lord, I don't end up doing, but the what, what, what I don't want to do, I end up doing. He was basically showing us the wrestling. Like on WWE sometimes, it's like a wrestle internally, you know. Shout out to WWE Wrestling Federation. Uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a tussle sometimes. You know, should I go to the club or should I go to church? Should I drink this alcohol or should I live for Christ and turn it down? You know, the Bible says, beware to him who's ready to be destroyed, give him strong drink. You know, in a sense, the writer was being, in Proverbs, he was being sarcastic, but he was saying, strong drink will lead you down a road of destruction. Amen. Then we have the spirit of knowledge where you have you can know um, you can know something before it happens or you can know something as God reveals it to you. And it's beautiful because God is 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 like is highlighting all of these beautiful characteristics through John in this moment. And the spirit of the Lord, the spirit of the fear of the Lord, excuse me, the reverence. Right here, John is is reverencing God. He's in awe. He's just amazed, you know. And I think I'm going to close here. Um, and, and I think we're going to go to verse. I uh, just don't want to run through it so quickly. I think we're going to go to verse 5. I kind of took my time with this. Don't worry. We're going to speed up. I promise you. We're going to speed up. But this is the laying of the foundation. We're going to speed up a little bit. But I'm going at this at this at this particular speed because um, it's laying the foundation of a lot of things. We're going to speed up later on, but I think what we're going to do right now is we're going to go through chapter 5, 6, and 7 quickly, swiftly, um, and then we're going to stop at verse 8. Amen. And then next time, we're going to just we're just going to go through the rest of this chapter so that we can get on a chapter two. Amen. But we're going to have fun with this. So um, give me 10 more minutes. I just asked for 10 minutes, 10 more. I'll just say 15 uh, minutes of your time. OK, I, I wanted to take my time with this so that we can have an understanding of the characteristics of the Lord internally and 
how Holy Spirit operates. And I pray that you were able to see some of this in ministry and in the fivefold ministry as well. Amen. That's why it's important that we go to a Bible-based church that's spirit-filled and, and have Holy Spirit convictions. It's very important. Amen. So we have the spirit of knowledge where you know things. As a pro uh, prophets work in these gifts like this knowledge revelation. Knowledge and revelation gifts that is wisdom, knowledge, and counsel. Wisdom, knowledge, counsel, and understanding are their main gifts. Amen. Amen. And the spirit of the fear of the Lord, just being in awe, just know what the Lord has said. And this is the spirit of the fear of the Lord is the conviction. Do you have convictions in this last day? If you feel like you just do anything and you don't care, then maybe your convictions have have been lost. Maybe you're not Holy Spirit filled like you thought. Maybe, you know, my pastor always teases Jesus. You might have, you, that wasn't Holy Spirit, that was Casper. It's Casper, the friendly ghost that you received at the altar. <laughs> Shout out to, to Bishop Stokes. But he, you know, it, it's it's one of those things where we have to look and be like, man, hmm. You know, just, you know, you, you, we have to make ourselves sure with under who are we. Or maybe you're just spiritually immature and just don't know yet. And that's why we're going through this. Amen. But this is why it's good to just go back, ask the Lord to help you to birth convictions, holy convictions for his word. Amen. There's nothing wrong with doing that. There's nothing wrong with you. We all have fallen short, Mr. Mark. You know, no one's here perfect, but um, we do have biblical, uh, I, I don't want to say forces, but we do, God has an order of things. The preacher is used and the teacher is used to help enforce the word in the earth. Amen. Can't get away from that. Can't get away. Don't kill the messenger is what I'm trying to say. But the messenger, a lot of times, we are living what we preach. I know I am to the best of my ability. So in verse 5, it says, verse 5 is <laughs> it's so funny because usually as a preacher we're so used to just skating through these but nope <laughs> verse 5 it says before his throne and from Jesus Christ the faithful witness the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth Jesus is our faithful witness Jesus was faithfully prophesied about um throughout all 65 prior books of the Bible. Jesus is the first one to be changed into the glorified body after the after death the death on the cross. We're going to get our glorified body when we leave here. When the Bible says that we, will, we will be changed. We don't know what we're going to be changed into, but the Bible says that we will be like him. We will be like him. We will be like him. And um, I, I, I found this um this this uh this site where it shows Jesus Jesus being previewed in every book of the Bible every book of the Bible from Genesis in Genesis the book of Genesis he's called the seed of the woman the Messiah will be born of the seed of of the woman Genesis 3 and 15 Luke 1 and 13 34 through 35 He's called the seed of the woman. Um, 
an exodus. He's called the Passover lamb. You know, um, he was typified. It says that he was typified the life of Moses. Uh, he was the Passover lamb. You know, when you read about the Passover lamb and what they had to do in Passover, um, it's, it's just amazing. The tabernacle wise, uh, the manna from heaven in Exodus 16, um, where manna fell from heaven to feed the whole camp of Israel. And John 6 confirms it. He's called the rock struck at Horeb. You know, excuse me, that Jesus was struck many times for our salvation. In Exodus 17, we see that. 1 Corinthians 10 and 4, uh, the tabernacle was was uh, birthed uh, to as a Christological purpose. Um, to foreshadow the things to come where in the tabernacle we have the brazen altar, the lampstand, the table of showbread, the ark of the covenant, and so forth. I, I was, and you have the candlesticks and the, the, um, the laver, the brazen laver. These are all instruments that was used to, um, uh, to make up the tabernacle eternity, um, in its, in its entirety, <laughs> um, we needed this tabernacle before Jesus came to atone for our sins with the high priest and everything like that. They had to go in there with a certain animal that was used. And with the animal, they were the ones, um, like a lot of times it was a lamb um, because the lamb was, was innocent. It, it was pure the the lot of times the the fur of it was wool it was uh it 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 was um synonymized or symbolic of the relationship that it had with a shepherd um and how jesus was is our shepherd and how we are his lamb and how the lamb has characteristics that symbolize how we uh how we are in our character when it comes to our relationship with the Lord. Like sometimes we don't listen and he has to correct us. He has to rebuke us. He has to reprove us. And even though Jesus is not here right now, we have um, priests that um, we go to, we call them pastors here in Revelation. They're called the angels of the church. In a little while, you're going to see that. Um, Jesus is a high priest. We see in Leviticus the foreshadowing of the atonement. And in Numbers, he's called the cloud and the fire. How um, is the camp of Israel had, was, was uh, um, uh, having a brain fart, forgive me. The camp of Israel uh, was favored in such a way that they had God in as a cloud by day and as a fire by night to guide them in the darkness of the wilderness um, as Moses led them uh, in Numbers 24 and 17. Uh, in Numbers 21 and 8 through 9, we see that we needed the bronze, him as he's typified as the bronze serpent, the healer. He's the healer of the nations. Um, he's the water from the rock in number. Numbers uh, chapter 20. I'm just going to keep running through these. I know I got to stop. Um, Deuteronomy, he's the prophet like Moses. And we're going to read about in a little while how Moses is going to be coming back for a set period in, in the tribulation period. 
um, after the rapture to help offset the evil in the land and the Antichrist and everything like that. Messiah will be a prophet um, in Deuteronomy 18 and 15 through 19, John 6 and 14. Messiah will be worshipped by angels, Deuteronomy 32 and 43, Luke 2 and 13 through 14, typifying the cities of the refuge, Deuteronomy 4 and 41. He is Joshua, the captain of our salvation. We see him typifying the person of Joshua, our leader, into the promise when he led us into salvation. He is the judge and lawgiver. We see that God has given all these laws, but now there a lot of these laws based upon um, the old covenant. And we, I think that's what we're going to do next, teacher. We're going to speak about dispensations of time. Uh, in Judges, we had what they call the eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Um, but after, but Jesus is the judge, the true judge of our lives. That's why in the New Testament, he says, judge not that ye be not judged. He said, well, for whatever measure you judge somebody, um, you're going to be judged that measure. He said, first take the beam out of your own eye. Uh, first take the beam out of your own eye. Then you can see clearly take the, the, the speck out of your brother's eye. He's basically saying, you got something to work on too, not just... Your, not just your brother, your sister. Ruth, we see him as a kinsman, redeemer. Beautiful story um, between Boaz and Ruth. Um, Boaz is a type of a descend, is a descendant, a direct descendant of Jesus Christ. Um, Boaz and Ruth were Ruth 4 and 12 through 17 um, spoke about that uh, relationship and how their relationship is it, it's it's symbolic, symbolic of Christ um, is typified in the life of Boaz as the kinsman redeemer. Jesus brought us back from the dead. Ruth, in essence, was dead. Her name was dead. That's why people got married back then. That's why women would be excited to get married by a man back then because their name and everything all the way up to now when you take on somebody's name in marriage, like my wife took on my name in marriage, I was afraid that she would take on my debt. I had to separate my debt and pay off some things so that when she took on my name, the debt would not affect her. As a matter of fact, when after in our second year of marriage, I made a, I made a, you know, um, a point to, to pay everything down you know, like a car and everything to make sure that, you know, um, she was good. Not saying we don't have bills now. Lord knows we got bills now. But what I'm saying is the kinsman redeemer brought her name back. The kinsman redeemer brought her back. The kinsman redeemer brought her reputation back. Jesus did the same thing for us. First and second Samuel, we see that he is our prophet, the Messiah through David will be exalted. Messiah will be a descendant of David, and he was. Jesus Christ is that descendant. Messiah will be the rock. Um, first and second kings, he's the reigning king. We see him as a reigning king. First and second chronicles, he is the Messiah from the, the tribe of Judah. <laughs> and Ezra, he is the faithful scribe. Nehemiah, the rebuilder of the walls. As as in Esther, he is Mordecai. The is in the personality of Mordecai. We see the beautiful characteristics of Jesus. Um, how God used Esther to be a certain type of Jesus to help save the, the then known nation of Israel from destruction. Job, 
is called the day spring from on high. We know uh, everything that Job went through, my God. Um, in Psalms, it's very clear that the Lord is our shepherd. So many different scriptures. I'm just going to give a few. Psalm 2 and 7, Matthew 17 and 5, Matthew 27 and 35. I'm almost there. In Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, we see him as Jesus, as the wisdom of God. In Psalms of Solomon, the lover and bridegroom, my Lord. In Isaiah, the suffering servant, good God Almighty. Isaiah is also called uh the mini book of the Bible, the smaller book of the Bible, because everything that Isaiah wrote about, it seems as though he, <laughs> this is why I'm saying God is real. He wrote in such a way that he summarized the whole Bible in 66 chapters. Somebody say glory. Jeremiah Lamentations, we see that he is a weeping prophet. For a long time, I did not realize Jeremiah also wrote Lamentations, but it's been ascribed that he actually wrote it. Um, the um, the way that is written, uh, it's it's uh, it's synonymized with Jeremiah because Jeremiah is lamenting. You know. Um, um, some might say that Jonah wrote Lamentations, um, but nevertheless, we see here that um, there is someone that's weeping. Jesus wept when uh, his best friend, he heard his best friend had passed away. The Messiah wept on the cross for us. In First uh, Corinthians 1 and 30, he would be our righteousness. He wept for our righteousness. In Ezekiel, he is the son of man. We've seen his, dis his dissension or his descendant from David is, is uh, mentioned in Matthew chapter 1 and 1. Um, in Daniel, he's called the son of man coming in the clouds of heaven. In Hosea, he's the bridegroom. I'm, so, I'm sorry, Hosea. He's the bridegroom and Joel. He's the baptizer with the Holy Spirit. Mm, forgive me, my voice is starting to crack. <laughs> I need some water. Um, and Amos, he's the burden bearer. And Obadiah, the mighty savior. We see in Jonah, he's the forgiving God. Micah, the messenger with beautiful feet. Mm, beautiful are the feet of those that carry the gospel. In Nahum, he is the avenger of God's elect. Habakkuk, the great evangelist, crying for revival. Mm, mm, mm. Jephaniah, the restorer of the remnant. Haggai, the cleansing fountain. Today, my pastor came from my pastor, Bishop Jerome so he, so he came from Haggai today. He spoke about destructive cycles. And it's important to kind of go through that sometimes to just keep us from going in cycles. And, and, and sometimes we don't even know that we're in cycles. Amen. And uh, I thank God for him. He came from Haggai chapter 1 today. But in here, Haggai chapter 2 speaks about how Jesus, the Messiah, will visit the second temple. Luke 2 and 27-32. He is that cleansing fountain. He is the one that we need to cleanse us from our sins, to cleanse us from destructive cycles, to cleanse us from the world. And Zechariah, he is the pierced son. And Malachi is the son of righteousness. And I love that scripture where it speaks about him rising with healing in his wings. In the New Testament, we see that Jesus is 
on the scene as the Messiah in Matthew. In Mark, he's the miracle wonder. In Luke, he's the son of man. John, the son of God. Acts, he is the ascended Lord. He starts his ascension after the resurrection. In the book of Acts, before he leaves, he says to his disciples in Acts 1 and 8, be filled with the Holy Spirit. After the Holy Spirit has come, you shall have power to go. Amen. Throughout all part, four corners of the world. And, and he's spoken of as the Prince of Life in Acts 3 and 15, the Judge of the Living and the Dead in Acts 10 and 42. See, the Judge, the Just One in Acts 7 and 52, the Hope of Israel in Acts 20 and 20. I know this teaching is meaty, but we're going to be all right. I'm almost done, and I'm, I'm going to close. In Romans, he is the Justifier. In First and Second Corinthians, he is the last Adam. That's what I was trying to say. He is the first, second Adam. And the last one that we will ever need. He gave the first fruits in 1 Corinthians 15 and 23. We spoke about the first fruits in uh, the last Adam, 1 Corinthians 15 and 45. In Galatians, he is the one who sets us free, the Lord Jesus Christ, Galatians 1 and 3. In Ephesians, he is the Christ of riches. In Philippians, he is the God who meets all of our needs. In Colossians, he is the fullness of the God here. We, he is, he is the completion of it. Um, the image of the invisible God, Colossians one and fifteen. They spoke about. He speak, He's spoken of the head of the body in Colossians one and eighteen. The beginning, Colossians one and eighteen. The firstborn from the dead. That's what we 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 spoke about earlier. In Colossians 1 and 18. He is the hope of glory. Colossians 1 and 27. And if you feel like I'm going too fast, you can rewind it, okay? Any at any time. In first and second Thessalonians, he is the soon coming king, the Lord of peace. Second Thessalonians 3 and 16. Almost finished. Um, first and second Timothy, he is the mediator between God and man. In Titus, he is that blessed hope. In Philemon, the friend, the closer than a brother that we need. Uh, in Hebrews, he is the blood that washes away my sins. The heir of all things is what he's called in Hebrews 1 and 2. Uh, the faithful high priest in Hebrews 2 and 17. The author and finisher of our faith in Hebrews 12 and 2. Um, and James, he is the great physician, the Lord of glory. Uh, and is 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 uh, what we call him in James 2 and 1. The judge at the door is what we call him in James Five and nine. He is in First and Second Peter the chief shepherd. He is the living stone, as which is explained in First Peter two and four. The chief shepherd, which is explained in First Peter five and four. In First, Second, and Third John, he is that everlasting love. The eternal life is what First John speaks about him as in uh, one and two, and the righteous one in First John two and one. He is the he is the God our Savior in Jude. The only wise God, our Savior, in Jude 22 and 5. Um, amen. I think that was wrong. Uh, I think Jude. That might be verse 25. I think Jude is a one chapter one. I forget. Uh, but um, in Revelation, he's called the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He is the Alpha. We're going to speak about this. He is the Alpha and Omega. We spoke about this already. The first and the last. We're going to continue to speak about it. The beginning and the end. Revelation 1 and 17. The line of the tribe of Judah. Ooh, I can't wait till we speak about that. Revelation 5 and 5. 
uh, the word of God, Revelation 19, 13, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, Revelation 19, 16, and finally, the bright morning star, which will be explained as we continue to teach and preach about it in Revelation 22 and 16. Whew, good God Almighty. I know that's a lot, right? But this is who we serve. This is who we serve. Amen. He is a mighty God. The faithful witness. He was faithfully prophesied about. Amen. He is the first one to be changed into the glorified body after the death of the cross. In verse 6, we speak about how we are the rulers and how we have been assigned to priesthood forever. And I think I'm going to stop here. I think I'm going to stop here. Amen. I thank God for you. I thank God for you tuning in to Padaway Evangelistic Ministries today. If you have not given your life to the Lord, I pray that you get into a Bible-based church because as you can see, there's a lot to God than just shouting on Sunday. Amen. Stay tuned for the benediction. God bless. I pray that this series blesses your socks off. The book of Revelation, again, like I said in, in, in the recording, it's a precursor. It's a it's a newspaper of the future. It's an echo call to strengthen our relationship with the Lord. Keep him first in our lives. And to just ask him to come into our life. If you have not asked the Lord into your life, according to Acts 2 and 38, I invite you to say this prayer with me, which is just saying, Lord, I believe that you died on the cross for me. I believe that you were buried for me and I believe that you rose up again on the third day for me and that you're going to come back for me. I'm sorry for every sin that I've ever committed knowingly and unknowingly come into my heart, live within me I need you, fill me with your spirit, in Jesus name amen and amen, and if you were genuine that is the start of your salvation, the next part is to be baptized in the name of Jesus. The Bible says, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus, every one of you. To repent is to be turn away from the worldliness, turn away from sin, and turn to God in, in everything that he has to offer. Turn to holiness. Turn. That's what this book is also about. It's saying turn, or this is what's destined for you if you don't turn. And if you are genuine and the turn is real, God will fill you with his spirit and you are saved. You're saved. The next is actually getting into a Bible-based church. I invite you to the Church of the Redeemed of the Lord where Bishop Jerome Stokes is pastor in Baltimore, Maryland. Um, the address is 4321 Old York Road, Baltimore, Maryland, 21212. I've been there for about, I don't know, 25 years now. Almost, uh, I'm thinking back, almost 30 years. It'll be 30 years in, in 2026. We're two years away. 
<laughs> but I've been there that long. And I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that you will take this seriously. In Jesus' name. If you're in a backslidden state, just say, Lord, I'm sorry for the, the place that I lost in you. Cleanse me, wash me, redeem me, live in me again, reestablish my steps. Make every crooked way that's in my life straight. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. And I pray that this segment of Petaway Evangelistic Ministries, wherever you are in the world, was a blessing to you. Be blessed. Speak to you soon.